Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? Or in the case of today, we're interviewing who? I'm your host, Dana, or the DHKs I'm known, and the who for today is director Eric O. Eric is someone I've known for a while and just so happens to have an animated short film that is up for an Academy Award at the 93rd Academy Awards, which are the week that we recorded this. So very excited for him. We talk about a short animated film opera and whether or not it's fair to categorize it as an animated film or is it sort of a moving piece of Renaissance art? Is it an experience? Por que no los dos? We also talk about sort of the state of the animation industry and where he thinks it's headed, what it's like to have a super independent project go through, and not even the distribution channels, but just exist in the world and how people react to it and how they want to categorize it when it might not be easy to categorize. Also, what it's like to be an artist of color and an Asian artist in the current climate. I always love talking to Eric. He's so thoughtful and just has such a unique perspective and it's always reflected in his work, whether it's his own work or the work he does for others. You can find a synopsis of opera in the description of this episode. It's absolutely worth checking out. It's it's a cyclical thing that you could probably watch on an infinite loop and still find something new every time. And then a sort of condensed biography on Eric so you have some background. Eric is a Korean artist and filmmaker. He's based in California. He's won numerous awards at various film festivals and as I said is up for an Academy Award for Animated Short when we are recording this. When you listen to this, he may or may not be a winner. We'll find out. He has a background in fine art from Seoul National University in Korea, and then he went to UCLA for film school. He was an animator at Pixar from 2010 to 2016. He's worked with the Tonko House team and directed Pig the Dam Keeper poems. He's also just constantly working on projects. I'm sure he has 10 irons in the fire right now. He's still working with Tonko House. I, he just had a film with Bobab. It's always a pleasure for me to talk to him, be it in a interview setting or just casually. So, so without further ado, here's we're interviewing who with Eric O. I'm just going to dive right in. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Logistically, will you walk me through your process of putting opera together? Because you've got this meta narrative happening, and then you've got all these tiny little narratives happening in each sort of building block and brick of it. Where does this idea come to you? And like, how do you go layer by layer? At what point do you, how do you keep track? Do you keep track? <laughs> well, did I keep track? You know, but uh, let's say, so first of all, it all came from the singular idea that I want to, you know, create a story that reflects our human society, life, and history. So already very ambitious, a broad topic, right? And then as soon as that I uh, realized that that's what I want to do, immediately realized that, oh, I don't think I can tell this story in a linear narrative format, like the conventional film language we speak. So I already uh, thought about taking this into much more immersive formula, which is, you know, the beginning and the end perfectly connects in one singular loop. So running time is nine minutes, but actually you can consider it as like, okay, it's eternal running time because you got to watch a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, it's infinite. Infinite, infinite running time. So, and then even the, how it's presented is that we don't have any specific camera moves or even main characters. Everything's happening all at once, all together, because... That's how we see the society. And that is what our society is like. You know, the life is like box of chocolate. There are happy and bright, beautiful things. But at the same time, there are terrifying, really sorrows in the air and, and like on the other side of the globe. So everything's happening all at once. I really wanted to capture the essence of our, of our society and life and, and humanity in a way. Right. So that's how I started my initial idea. That was the genesis of the core concept of, of opera. And then, of course... The first thing I did was coming up with this triangular shape, this iconic triangular shape that captures our 
modern society and, and humanity in a way in just at a glance. And then because I'm about to tell a very elaborate, detailed story here and there, I wanted the canvas to be clean and, and simple. And so a triangle, and I'm going to start filling in the little vignette, the stories and moments from that part on, right? And then from that part on, it's been just constant puzzle piecing and writing, thumbnailing and drawing. And But it was challenging, of course, but it was very rewarding and, and fun as well because it really felt like I was creating the society and of, of where we are, you know? So, yeah, I mean, this long story short, I even pretty long already, but you know, I did my best to summarize the journey, but this was it. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Yeah, so do you have like boards for each individual sort of section of society or do you just kind of leave it or do, or do you sort of hand it to an animator and cast them in those roles? Be like, hey, you're doing the guillotine ones and you're right, in charge right. of like the kids getting, I don't yeah, know. No, right, right, right. Okay, how about this? Because so basically I wasn't able to follow traditional way of, storytelling right production you know, right it's, it's not nowhere near any there's no such a thing as animatic or making a reel it was impossible right so i had to be extra creative to put all the ideas together so what i did was first of all one singular image of the triangle that has every detailed story <laughs> in it like it doesn't have any movement but it's really the thumbnail drawing just one complete image of drawings you know of describing what's really happening in the individual section right and then I broke this down into 24 different sections, 24 different segments. And then, okay, I just cut, cut this, like, uh, you know, one of the 24 segments out. From there on, I started another storyboard within this segment because here, okay, in the daytime, these guys do this and this dude killed this guy and then this guy over there. And then, okay, and then, and then a moment later, this is going to happen. And then when the night comes, they go to, they go to sleep or they do these characters do, this, you know, that sort of things. And then during the night, there's something going on. And in the morning, you know, and it connects back to the daytime. So basically, each segment has 10 or sometimes 20 different cartoon-like, you know, comic strips of the storylines. And that became our blueprint. That became our master plan. So, yes, I mean, we weren't able to put everything together in one singular animatic or reel. It really consisted, you know, existed in different pieces as, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you do anything in a simple way aside from your actual art style? Because I think yeah. the answer is no. It's, it's, I mean, I, I remember, I think it was yeah. probably one of the first or second times I met you. I remember I was with Jane and you started talking about something and I was like, this dude thinks on so many different levels. It's insane. And then this is literally a, a visual manifestation of you thinking on multiple levels all Very the true. time. This is just to prove how crazy I am. Okay, this is how much I... <laughs> it paid off, you know? Okay. <laughs> it paid off. I'm really interested. So, you know, you have very limited camera moves. You have maybe one or two. You know, I consider it kind of just like that pan down as a camera move in my mind, at least. And then you've got all these things going on and you've got this huge canvas. So how do you guide an audience's eye and sort mm. of keep the frame alive, but not distract from where you want the story or, you know, where you want them to be looking at, because I, right. I can imagine it gets easy to get distracted. Of course. I mean, um, two different opposite answers could be answered here. <laughs> One is, first of all, I still did my best to give you the overall guidance to the audience, basically, right? You know, by music and also the pacing of the how slow the camera runs down. Mm -hmm. And also the color script, like how lightings are kind of like uh, benefiting to each other. 
it's subtle, but it's there. And then also the character's movement. Like if you really observe where they're going or how they're interacting with, there are rhythm, there, there are patterns. So that's one other thing I did. And, and yeah, and then music is a big piece as well. And, and, but then the other, at the same time, um, really didn't want to spoon feed any of the specific guidance for the audience, because it's really, if you, if there are 10 people watching, it's okay. If everyone looking at, you know, everywhere else. Right. And then mm-hmm. it is really impossible to catch everything by one viewing. Anyway, it is meant to be watched a couple of times. And every time you watch, you'll find something right. new and then you will come up with your own story and you're based on your own philosophy or outlook on life. But still, as I said, there are still a bit of a rhythm. There's a day and night, there's a war, there's a climax and a resolution. There's an overall brushstroke is still there, but in a detail level, it's really up to the audience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the first thing I thought of it as I was like, oh, this feels like a personality litmus test. And like the first section of the pyramid that you're drawn to is that it's going to tell you something about you. So my question to you is, especially because you've probably seen it so many times, which do you identify with the most? Hmm. I mean, I almost feel like those are all small pieces of me and then pieces of, of our ourselves, right? Mm. But I don't know. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure that you missed, but there's one singular character so basically, in the world of opera, everyone's living and interacting and connected together. And then mm-hmm. one person's character uh, act becomes a consequence for something else. So that's how delicately all the characters, stories, and everything is deeply connected. But there's mm-hmm. one character who's out of it. So they, there are, let's say, thousands of characters. I don't even know how many <laughs> there are. But there's yeah. one character who's actually traveling by himself from the bottom of the pyramid all the way towards the top, he's just visiting every corner of the section. And then he's actually the color in gray, because as you've noticed, characters are black or white, you know, black Mm -hmm. and white, black and white. There's one character who's just gray. So that actually throw a questions too, you know, is the world really black and white, you know? So he really stands for person or people in the gray zone, like in the gray, gray area, like, you know, in the blurry boundaries, right? So, I think I see him. I don't know. I immediately get drawn to him. And he's actually like an Easter egg for the audience who's going to watch 10 times. Maybe. He's your Where's Waldo. It's your Where's Eric. Of- <laughs> where, where, where's the where do, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I love that. I mean, although, I mean, not to correct you on your own film, I felt like there are people in color. For at least to me, you know, the little, I, I imagine they're kids. I might be imposing my own narrative on your story, but I was like, oh, I it was like my second or third time watching when I saw them being painted in one color or another. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so much going on, man. So much going on. <laughs> okay. So I know you come from a fine art background. Mm-hmm. If you had to describe yourself personally at this mm-hmm. moment in time, because we change as people as an art style, what would it be and why? Hmm. At this current stage, at this current stage, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I still feel like I'm the same the core hasn't changed, in my opinion, because from the get-go, I wanted to tell the story through different mediums. So that's why I don't identify myself just as a filmmaker or a certain or, or just an animator, even though people yeah. may call me an animator. But how I see is more of a multimedia artist who's not afraid of going to different uncomfortable areas or zones to create something very unique and original. 
So, I mean, everything should support and serve the story and idea and message of what I'm trying to uh, convey through. So it could be film. It could be one singular painting, right? It could be an installation. It could be or a dance. It, it could be poetry, right? So I love to keep on pursuing just doing variety of stuff to, again, just tell a good, real human story. And then that's how I like to strive to become. And I think that's who I am, in my opinion. That's who I have been, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. That answers my question. I don't, yeah. So the answer's not like, Monet in his blue period. That's not your current stage. <laughs> like that's... That might be me. That's more reflective of me. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and be right back. And we are back. What do you think the biggest change is from when this idea first came to you to the way that it is currently visualized? Or were there changes? Mm. Did it kind of come out how you wanted or are there things you discovered along the way? Actually, surprisingly, opera is, even though it's super complex and super complicated, it really didn't change from my original vision all the way towards... I mean, It doesn't surprise me at all coming from you. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I mean, that is because animated movie already no matter what it is we do have to do a lot of like creative thinking and problem solving direction finding in the upfront because animation we are making something from the white canvas we are it's not it's that's one of the biggest difference from the live action film we can mm -hmm. it's not like we can actually shot the actor or actress from the diverse angle and find out uh, rhythm and pattern in the editorial animations like that not like that right we have to do the storyboarding and we have to find that like of course even though we things could change but majority of creative process should, should be done upfront. And in opera's case, it's even more <laughs> of that because if we try to change the course, it's going to make a huge impact on the, it's going to just mess everything up. So I had a huge, felt a huge responsibility that, okay, I have to lock and clarify and, and find out all the answers as much as I can before going into the productions. So it took me about almost half a year to just come up with that perfect, ideal form of this triangle like uh this world and then i of course inserted new ideas more of big like on the and down on, on along the production but i think the core really remained the same in my opinion yeah so you, you talk about having to lock but at the same time you know you are making this without any external deadlines so no. did you sort of set dates for yourself? Were you just like, okay, I got to treat this like there's a producer breathing down my neck or were you just like, it'll be ready when it's ready? Because I feel like as artists, that's the biggest challenge, right? It's like, you have to pry right. it from my cold dead hands to call it final. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know, it's like, no, it's not final until you take it away from me. I mean, it's yes and no. First of all, at least this one, because it's such an independent and very, very old project, you know, that without any mm -hmm. compromise. I think I really didn't want to compromise at all, like because but the other commercial work or other films I do, I do to communicate with the financiers, producers or investors and, and other audience and all that. So I have to constantly make a decision based on so many things and, and elements. But for this one, I really wanted to make 100% as close to my own vision as much as possible. So but I, at the same time, didn't want to drag forever. For, of course not. Uh, one of the things I wanted to mm -hmm. do was at least, you know, try to set up the goal for film festival, for example. Let No matter what, we can actually screen this, premiere this in, in this film festival. Sure. So um, that was one of the things. Mm -hmm. But kind of like roughly, I didn't want to rush it because of that. And that is why it took us so long, I guess, like four years of a journey. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I mean, how do you stay motivated during that time? You know, a uh, very important question. So I think it also has something to do with your previous question about did it ever change? It didn't change because from the beginning, I wanted to create that's very universal and timeless and transcendent. And I wasn't trying to just portray what's really happening at this modern times, but I wanted to, I kind of studied a lot like the history and then uh, what has been like before. And I wanted to capture this, oh, we are, of course, technologies keep being, being evolved or everything's going better, getting better, but are we really? That was the mm-hmm. question. Are we stuck in the cycle, a vicious cycle of things that's really uh, stopping me, stopping us from growing, you know, and being more mature, right, in humanity? So that was one of the things. And then, wait, actually, I kind of forgot my second idea. But, <laughs> um, Staying motivated. Exactly. So that was it. That was it. So then, you know, I was even from the beginning, I was reacting to so many social issues and and really problems in our human society. Right. So Mm -hmm. that was my initial motivation. And that couldn't be gone because things were unfortunately feeling like even getting worse in a way. You know what I mean? You know, in the middle of the production, COVID started in the middle of the production. We had Black Lives Matter movement in the middle of the the production like there's hong kong with the huge you know uh, um protests, riots, protests and, yeah. on, and yellow jacket movement in paris and what's happening in south asia pollution natural disasters and right discrimination and all those things were already being conveyed in the piece in of opera and then whenever i got to hear that oh my god i need to just focus i need this has to come out because I was so angry the whole time. I was so devastated, weak, mm-hmm. like vulnerable. And then, yeah, I mean, I cannot give up on this because this has all the, uh, you know, a message to what we are facing in modern times. And this is why we have to just get this out. And then thankfully, all the crew and artists believe in this vision and we were able to just work together to, yeah, get this done. Yeah. I wanted to call it prescient because you started production before some of these issues hit, but it's not prescient, right? Because it's like human conflict has been going on as long as time, we have yeah. documented history. But it'd be remiss of me, at least personally, to not mention, like, I'm super proud, one, to know somebody who's nominated for an Oscar, and then two, <laughs> to know an Asian person who is nominated for an Oscar. We don't yeah. have a lot of representation up there. And I'm curious... For you, have you ever felt yourself represented on screen aside mm. from in work that you personally have been a part of? Mm. So you mean the, not my own work? Not your own work. Yeah, I think that's pretty representative of you <laughs> generally. Uh, it gets me thinking. Um, hold on. Um, hmm. I mean, yeah, I, there must be, of course, you know, um, but the quick... For example, Minari, you know, um, not sure if yeah. you watch Minari. I mean, that's, oh, yes. that's pretty much like, you know, um, even though I wasn't, it's really more about our first generation, second generation Asian, you know, community. But, you know, I was mm-hmm. feeling, I, I related a lot for sure. And I resonated, you know, all the stuff he, the, the main characters were going through. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think. I don't think, the, I mean, for me at least, I'll tell you, my answer is no, I yeah. don't feel represented on screen, right? I think it's starting to change with films like Minari. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't feel represented by Parasite, but I was really happy to see Parasite, you know, <laughs> recognize. I thankfully don't live with another it family. That's why either. I've been thinking hard to really see what uh, films were there, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, it's not. It's not great. It's not great. Yeah. Which is which is why it's really nice to see you know a film mm-hmm. about. Well, it's not nice, but it's it's interesting to see a film about sort of universal conflict in a year that has been yeah, totally. about conflict. Mm-hmm. But speaking of adding sort of personal representation to things, how do you make sure that your personal voice is heard? Because you've been you've been at Pixar, mm. you've been at Tonko, you know, you do your own projects. So for the ones that you are not the only stakeholder in, how do you make sure your personal voice is represented in your work? I think, of course, it's not easy. But I, the more outer force is stronger, I think the more I am motivated to focus on my own inner voice, I think, just inner calling and then try not to be distracted by what's around myself, but more mm-hmm. just go deeper dive into myself, I think, and, and then draw the story or inspiration from my own voice and vision. And then that becomes the most pure representation of myself, I think. So and in any film I have worked on, like in, in in any degree, I think I've always been doing my best to actually do that, in my opinion. So not sure how much it really reflects on my work, but that's what I do. Um, and, I, and I think it's really important. I think that's the whole point of why I'm, I'm constantly making the art and film. My, yeah. I'm really interested. Where do you think the industry is going? Like, because, um, you know, we have... Again, we have your you Pixar's, know, but you have your Tonko's, and then you have a film like yours, which does get recognized on this major levels. So I am feeling optimistic and hopeful. Of course, at current stage, there is still far away, um, a long, long way to go. But oh, yeah. I think um, it is changing. I think, and then Hollywood industry is trying to. They are getting ready to hear our actually our stories and voices, but. I think now it's our generation, our responsibilities to start making changes because when they give us an opportunity, most of the time I feel like they are already provide, uh, asking for uh, a story that fits into their own frame. You know, okay, you're Asian American or mm-hmm. Asian story, you have to you have to showcase the certain culture and then this instead of encouraging right. us to just tell the human story, our just story. But yeah, Asian American, like Asian community, like in this society and this community, right? So that has been, from what I've seen from the all the like films, I don't know, I'm just, of course, answering your question from Asian American perspective, because that's who I am, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I, I feel you on that one. Like I come from the same, you know, I, I'm slightly different, but I, I'm sure. actually also really interested in like where the animation industry in general is going, right? Because you've got your major distribution houses and then you've got success with things like Damn Keeper, right? And then you've got success with things like independent films. I feel like I've seen a shift even since when you left the studio, right? Like, totally. But I, I, where do you, where do you hope it goes? I think maybe a better, mm. more optimistic way to phrase it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely much more. I think slowly happening. First of all, the you know streaming service really changes the game, right? You know, there's no such a thing clear street strict thing as TV show versus feature. Like used to mm-hmm. be the world where only two genres are there, but now everything's blended. There are limited series. There are like a feature of a little more episode it's like now much more creators are can be more open to variety formula i think that's great but i think i wish we could do more you know <laughs> so my personal hope is just the growth and maturity in in uh, many different ways not only just creators perspective but, the, but also the audience perspective right mm-hmm. so the people don't see okay the the disney pixar animations the only 
animated contents. You know, there are far more. I mean, animation's such a beautiful medium that has such a broad potentials and possibilities and freedom, you know, in, in creativity. And I wish ourselves, I mean, this is more of talking to myself too, all of us, our responsibility to keep pushing the bar, keep actually pushing this medium to just, you know, of course, while respecting the legacy of what animation has been like, you know, and then that's going to just, you know, con- uh, I don't know, connect to our growth in a way and evolution in a, in a way. And then that's going to help the overall culture. I mean, I just want to see, I want to see the future where the audience can think of, hey, any- let's go to the museum to watch, just experience the animation. You know, let's go to like, this thing is, can be also an animation too. Like it's not just animated film, it's the only animation. Animation could be anything, you know? So that's of course my ideal world, <laughs> like unknown. And then to be fair, I'll actually do my best to actually do that. I think opera is one example to prove that animation can be just more than what you are familiar with, what you are comfortable with, you know? So hopefully that helps people understand. I love there's, you can get, you get something new from it each time you watch it. And I think that's certainly something applicable to most films in general, hopefully, if they're doing it right. But there's just, I, you know, you could watch opera for, I, I don't know how many hours on end and still probably see something. I'm going to look, go back and look for the gray wear as well, though, Eric. Like, <laughs> so, in terms of creativity, how do you recharge or how do you relax? Do you relax? Do you ever unplug? <laughs> you know, it's a blessing of cursing of, having what you love as a job is that you are always playing yeah. or you're always working, right? You know, there's about no boundaries between right. playing and having a great time and then working, right? So, well, it's true that I do recharge myself by telling another story, <laughs> but, but, but... Just yeah. moving on to the next story, that's how you recharge. <laughs> but that actually, you know, I don't think that's going to... I don't know. I mean, the reason why I have been hesitant is that because I'm just like everyone else, you know, I'm not, it's not like I have a special trick or tips or, or, you know, anything to recharge myself. It's not like that. I really just, I mean, before pandemic, I traveled a lot, actually. That has been, if you call it a hobby, you know, I literally, oh, I wasn't at home, like, you know, longer than two to three weeks. Like I've been always traveling, you know, that has been my mm-hmm. lifestyle. And then that has been me. And then just, um, um, I don't know, just watch a lot of people's, uh, other people's uh, art. Of course, I'm not just talking about film, but mm-hmm. uh, the reading books or, or just watching films or some, some talk shows or YouTubes or news or just having a great time with your friends. You know, <laughs> that's really all. Really, again, I just live my life and yeah. inspiration com- can come from anywhere. Like all the artists will probably resonate with this saying you know inspiration it's not like you have a treasure box that has full of uh, inspiration it's not like that you know your daily emotion what you feel what you think and writing your diary you know what you hear daily from your friend or just your conversation with your parents you know all those things just become the fruit and, and and fruit and seed for the inspiration so yeah I just, yeah. I don't know, live my life. No, it's, it's totally fair. I mean, I think the reason yeah. I'm particularly curious as to you is like, you are someone who 
is working on your own projects and is also, I would imagine, pouring your heart and soul creatively. Like you give your all, whether it's your project or not your project. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I find that personally sometimes exhausting where I'm like, I know I will maybe hold back at work because I'm like, I want to pour everything into my personal project. Mm -hmm. And so there are times when I'm like, I need to like recharge and just step away from either the personal one or the professional one, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm so, so I'm someone who's like, I need to not connect to any media or whatever in order to recharge. Right. right but it right, sounds right. like you don't have that problem. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know. Of course, when I have to relax, I relax, of course. Yeah. But when you ask me about creatively, I can tell you this though. I mean, I do the same thing too. I do. Yeah. As you even said, you know, I am the guy who always multitask. I always run different project at the same time but how i balance them out and how i make them make those projects to beneficial to each other is you know this one is yes yeah, solely eric oh this is something i really put all my heart and everything into it but sometimes this is something i just help like for example right now i'm directing Tom, new tom klaus's netflix series oni with dice mm-hmm. and it's pretty much dice's story but i'm directing a couple of episodes for him and of course it requires a lot of creative challenges but my attitude is, uh, yeah, it's still Dice's vision. You know, of course, I'm going to do. And then working together as a bigger team with Dice, that's actually a bit of a break from my own personal, you know, focused creative process. So when I want to take yeah. a break from this, okay, I think I need to get out of my own island and then go to there, hang out with them. And okay, 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 I, I'm, I'm kind of tired of like hanging out with you guys. I'm going to go back. And so that actually works for me at least. So if I am stuck in just one area, I think that's when I'm feeling like it's kind of unhealthy in a way. Uh, you know what I mean? So if I am only mm-hmm. just stuck in my own place, that's when I start losing a bit of the con- con- connection with the world or I just get a little too focused on my own voice. But again, right. the other way too, if I am just only working on the commercial project or something with the, and then I'll start losing my own voice. So that's why I constantly try my best to keep the balance in between, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It does. It sounds like commitment issues. No, and, and and with those, <laughs> but with those, and, and I said, and then they no. relax when I have to have a good time, I have a good time. And then I have to step away, I do step away. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's, I think it's particularly interesting for people who are in the field that it's like their passion and their profession. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a little more sort of personal creative safeguarding you have to, or like safeguarding of personal energy. <laughs> What is the biggest thing you learned or you think you learned while making opera? Uh, wow. Um, or one of so the biggest things, things. So many things I learned writing yeah. this opera. Okay. Well, so, I mean, I, I'm not sure if it's just the direct, immediate answer to your proper answer. I mean, it, it can be, you learned it about anything in the world. It doesn't have to be exactly about the film. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. Maybe I can tell you this. So basically, when I first designed opera, I had this ambition to, like, yeah, as you also d- described, I'm coming from fine art, art background. Even before coming into animation industry, I was coming from fine art. So that approach has been always implied in my filmmaking process or art making process. That's like, first of all, kind of wanted to step that up loud because in the Genesis Opera, that ambition and goal was there. I wanted to create something that really blurs the boundary between a contemporary art scene and cinema, the world of animation. So, oh, like from animator's perspective, oh, animation can be so much fine arty, like looking format. And the fine art people can say that, oh, wow, I, we thought animation just a kid animated movie. Oh, animation can be so much more than that. You know, I wanted to actually 
make something that can bridge between those two worlds, right? So mm-hmm. that was my initial uh, ultimate like hope and and like idea idea. Uh, but I just realized that the that invisible wall between cinema and art scene was actually even much more solid than I thought, unfortunately. So I try to take this to the art scene and galleries. Mm-hmm. And of course, not everyone. Of course, there are some great feedbacks and some great recognitions, but most of the, not most of the time, like plenty of cases, they were like, ah, this is too graphic. This is not art. This is just yeah. film, you know? So, and then that got me so angry, of course, you know, dude, <laughs> you know, why yeah. do you draw the boundaries between art and film? And it's just great art and great idea. And then film festival too, sometime in the beginning, I when the I was a little discouraged because I felt like okay here's the piece I really truly believed in I poured my all my heart and love to the first couple of months I actually didn't get the feedback immediately from both film festivals and stuff film festivals were like not even giving me any like uh, selection or anything like that so I was kind of like mm-hmm. a little bum of course and both kind of semi rejection from both art I mean not saying fully but a little less than I thought you know so. Yeah, it wasn't like the warmest welcome. It wasn't like an obvious, like, of course this is the thing. Yeah. Yeah, think about it. If you submit this film festival, film festival, film people say, oh, is it film? You know, is it more of an art piece? And if I go to art, ah, oh, this is film. So it doesn't belong to anywhere, right? That kind of feeling, right? But the strange thing was, that was what I wanted to break. You know, that stereotypical view from both arts. Here, it can be anything. But slowly slowly this work started to prove itself honestly so and then and then a month later a couple of months later some of the galleries start to talk to me and then some film festivals start to give a little more warm welcome and then so and then start slow so and then it kind of started accelerating and that's when i felt like and then of course this oscar shortlist and qualification and and nomination just really changed the game you know so and then in a way, I feel like it's kind of bittersweet because opera has been always there, right? And then I try to tell the folks in art scene and cinema already from the beginning, hey, this is special. This is really meaningful. And then they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now they're like, oh, I think it's special just by the name of the opera. So that's like, oh, come on, man. You already, yeah. you know, and then it's the same piece. And, and then so it's kind of bittersweet, but that's how it is. And then in a way, I think maybe this Oscar is something I needed maybe to really prove that, you know, this is something that can be more than what we are familiar with. So my hope at this point is with this momentum of Oscar, love to take this really into the art scene and, and do what I've been envisioning in a fullest, if I can, you know? Yeah. I imagine this is like one of those experimental, not experimental, but just one of those like interactive exhibits, right? Like City Lab in Tokyo. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or not City Lab. Sorry. Uh, what is it? Team Lab. Team Lab in Tokyo. Yeah, Team Lab. Yeah. yeah. I could totally imagine just walking through like each room being an interactive. I guess. So I guess my question is, what's next for Eric O? <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, um, it's really, it's great because it's a continuation from our previous conversation. So this piece is designed to be viewed enjoy two different ways. One is the one you watch, the cinematic experience. Mm-hmm. Just imagine you watch, of course, it has to be a big theater though. Right. Imagine you're watching this is IMAX theater with full surround system, uh, audio system. It's going to give you a whole other level of experience for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that's one way. And the other way is exhibition. So I want, let's say without any camera move, 
you just walk in huge, huge wall. You just yeah. run into this gigantic triangle with so many characters interacting and just loops forever. And then it's you who like to observe and walk around and get closer to, to you know, you become the camera, right? You just can yeah. walk more further away to see the global view and you can walk closer to actually observe some of the mini, you know, what's going on in the details. So yeah. that's another way to actually enjoy it, right? That being said, we are now at this point talking to different venues and different in the conversation with different exhibition places to make this happen mm-hmm. finally. And um, nothing's decided. Oh, I might get to walk through. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. So not even one. So we are talking to a place in Seoul, Korea, and also Paris, and also Austria in, in Linz. So there are uh, um, our team, distribution team, who are now in charge of making this happen, this exhibition happen. They are working hard, their ass off to make this happen. But it's great, you know? So it's it's happening finally. So I've been kind of like giving you all this grumpy about no one recognizes but now it's kind of slowly happening thankfully so um yeah it's one of those things that like any trend needs momentum right like it it takes one person to validate it which is so frustrating but right 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 okay very very last question what are your thoughts on like vr for this (laughs) Mm, no you know because uh yeah very good question because in the beginning vr was one of the options too when i first Mm -hmm okay, it's going to be so crazy Like if you get to see this in VR progress. So in the middle of the production, by the way, the whole set is actually modeled in CG, by the way. So it that is... It doesn't surprise me at all. Okay. <laughs> but because it doesn't have any camera movement, we went economical. So with the, just uh, the structure and then we started drawing again. But so we tried putting this 3D model in the VR space and I tried it actually I tried like wearing the headset and walking around but yeah we just learned that just talking to my engineer friends that hey with this complex density and this complex I think I don't think the technology won't support so it's gonna need yeah I could in like five years five years or even six years I don't know so I thought okay I'm just gonna do it for projection mapping or for screeners so yeah but yeah at this point, I am finding a way to just translate into VR um, experience as well. So it doesn't have to be too way too three dimensional, but it can be still viewable in VR space. So um, that's one option too. Yeah. Just thinking about the practicality of like, you know, it's going to be however long before we can be in a 3D space and like witness it. I was like, oh, I can imagine there being giving the camera to the audience, right? Yeah, in, the, yeah. in the same way that VR does in a limited, mm-hmm. people yeah. can't see me, but I'm swerving. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for doing this. Congratulations. Uh, you know, fingers crossed for you this weekend. Uh, thank you, Dana. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much to Eric for joining. You can currently find Opera on Eric's website. There is a link in the description of this episode. And if you liked this podcast episode, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.